host of your willpower podcast and today for the first episode of the willpower podcast we'll have a very special guest andrew hemsarth uh, mr hemsarth is the ceo of the purple cow winery so to start off this interview i would like to ask you um what motivates you to get out of bed every day to do what you do you know well before we get into that i just want to say uh you know thanks for having me on here it's a it's an honor and a privilege especially you said i think uh, this is your first one so you know just kind of setting the stage here. So I really appreciate that, you know, asking me to come on. Uh, so your first question, you know, what motivates me to do what I do? Uh, you know, uh, the big thing it comes down to is my family. And I know we had briefly talked about this before that, uh, you know, my goal is to make sure that my family is provided for my children, uh, have a, have a, you know, their needs are met and also being able to provide, uh, you know, the learning experiences and opportunities for them to grow and eventually, you know, see what their father does and how he kind of takes on these challenges and, you know, kind of take that as a lesson and maybe apply it in their own lives as they grow. So that's one of the big motivating factors. Sure. Family first. Family first. Oh, yeah. So you own uh, Purple Cow Winery. So what do you like the most of owning and operating a wine business? So, you know, I have never been a person who likes to sit still. I'm always, you know, thinking of new and creative uh, things to do. I love trying new things. And, you know, uh, going back to my family and how it motivates me, you know, is looking at uh, my life choices and my career choices. And I love doing what I do, but there's always the desire to continue to better myself and to provide even more and more for my family. And so when we started the winery, my father and I, we were looking at just kind of uh, areas that we could venture into that might be able to provide a little bit something more. So it started off as a hobby. And the goal was just to provide a little supplemental income, uh, you know, for, for the family. Um, and eventually it just continued to, to take off and grow from there. Uh, So, you know, what I love about that is that, um, it's just unique, it's different, it's creative, and there's always new challenges that we face every single day and, and the experimentation that we can do in the business with different kinds of wines, uh, and, and how we can offer more services to our customers that they just find enjoyable. And then they know, Hey, you know, if we want a unique experience, purple cow winery offers that that's what it really is is providing a unique experience that they're not going to find someplace else that's awesome i know that starting a business has like a lot of difficulties so what were were some of the difficulties in starting your business well it was my first business that i had ever started so there was a lot of unknown i mean i didn't understand all of the rules and the regulations when we first got into it so it's it it literally took a year from the idea to pop up in my mind to actually selling our first bottle of wine. And so it was all these hoops and you think you get through them all and then you just find out. And I'm still finding out six years later that there's still things that I'm not doing correctly. And, you know, I'm getting letters in the mail. I'm like, I didn't even know that was a thing, you know? So some of the challenges certainly are that. And, um, one of the big things that we also, uh, experienced, which was really difficult for us was, keeping up with demand. Uh, it was so successful at the get-go that we didn't have enough product to offer because we were we were producing 
our wines from the grapes that we grew. Well, it wasn't enough. So, you know, we could plant more grapes, but that's going to take four years before we're producing any kind of meaningful harvest off of that. So then we're having to outsource juices. So we're doing that, but even then you're waiting six months to a year before that wine is, is ready to be sold to the public. So, you know, we'd shut down every season. And then we'd think, all right, well, let's expect, you know, looking at sales, we're going to grow by 30%. We need to have not just that 30%, but then additional in reserve in case we exceed that. Well, we're, we exceeded even our expectations of exceeding our goals, and we're still running out. And so every year our sales have increased by anywhere between uh, 50 and 100%. So that was wow. certainly a challenge was keeping up with the demand. But there's certainly... I could sit here and talk all day long about all the challenges and struggles that, you know, we experienced from, uh, you know, we've had faulty products that we've pushed out and, you know, that was kind of a real big setback early on to uh, customer service issues where, you know, it's inevitable you're going to experience customers that you really just want to throw out of your out of your business because they're just a pain in the rear end yeah. and nothing ever pleases them. And it's frustrating because we want to please the public, but you can't actually please them. Well, it sounds like having a good problem when you run out of wine. So. It's a good problem. It is For a good sure. problem. So uh, what's one thing you wish you would have known when you started out? Oh, man. Um, wish I would have known. <clears throat> um, I wish I would have known how quickly and successful it was going to be uh, because you go into this very uh, – we were nervous. I'm not going to lie. I remember the day that we we um, we were opening. You know, uh, we were still bottling wine that morning. And my father, he looks at me. He goes, he goes, Andrew, I don't know if I want to open up a winery. And I'm like, well, it's too late now, buddy. We are committed. Today is opening. You know, it was just so much work. And you know, you put your heart and your soul, and of course, all of this equity into uh, starting up this business, not knowing if it's going to be successful. Had I known it was going to be so successful, I would have done so much more right off the bat. But we were very reserved and cautious because, you know, we didn't have a lot of money to dump into this. We were we were skeptical about whether or not it was a wise move to take out uh, a loan from the bank or draw off our line of credit. Uh, you know, so it was, you know, had I known it was going to be as successful as it was, I would have been less nervous and we would have tried different things and not be so reserved. We would have purchased more juice up front to provide that. But it's scary when you go to, you know, to, to place these orders for the materials you need for producing your wine that, you know, you're dropping thousands, not tens of thousands of dollars and you don't know if it's going to sell. Yeah, for sure. Well, apparently it's pretty successful. So congrats with that. So, um, What's something you have failed at in your life? Because apparently your wine is successful. You got a nice family. Oh, no. Ever. Okay. Life failures every day. Every day, everybody fails at something every single day, which is an excellent thing because you take those small failures and, well, you should be at least learning from each one of those failures and saying, okay, how can I improve and not do the same thing again? And so every single day, I might you know, it could be something small, a small little failure. Like I failed to be there for my child when they needed me in the morning. 
you know, uh, my, my child woke up from a nightmare and I failed to take into consideration how much that really was, you know, you know, that nightmare scared them. And I'm there going, it's all right, just get back to bed. And I didn't console them when maybe I should have. So that's a small little failure because I yeah. failed as a parent in that little moment, but that's a good thing. But, you know, if we're looking at big, big failures, I've certainly had plenty of big failures. Um, you know, we would try to roll out certain products, uh, that didn't meet the expectations that we had with the public and nobody liked it. So there's, you know, thousands of dollars of wine that's not selling. So now what do we do with that? Um, <clears throat> other failures include, uh, not properly producing some things. We had some wine go bad early on that we didn't have proper filtration and sorbet, which prevented re-fermentation. They literally had bottles of wine exploding in people's living rooms and ruining their carpet. You know, that right there is gut-wrenching because it happened within our first year. Uh, some of the sorbate that we had used was no good, uh, plus the filtration wasn't adequate. And, you know, you know, it's you want to please the public and you think this early on, this is a bad thing to happen this early on. And it was, uh, you know, kept me up at nights knowing how many bottles are out there. You know, do I recall this product or do I just wait to see if people, you know, call me because, you know, we, we knew how large the batch was and we had an idea of how many were out there, but we didn't know how many of them were already consumed by the customer. Uh, you know, so right there, that was one of the biggest failures that we had. Nice. So for other people that fail in their lives, um, how do you think people can overcome their fear and just succeed and get started in what they want to do? You know, I don't, I don't know. See, everybody's different. I, I am, I get in these, these bouts where I, I get anxious and worry about certain things that I know are not correct necessarily with the winery. And I think, you know, what are going to be the repercussions or the consequences of this? And here my, you know, my wife and my father, you know, it's like, oh, come on, Andy, it's not that big of a deal. Just get over it. And here I am really stressing about that. So, you know, I wish I had some kind of magical phrase that would make everybody not worry about that and overcome their fears and be able to take on these challenges. But in actuality, it's natural. It happens. There's going to be times where you're going to be up at night and you're going to be stressing over, you know, is this, <clears throat> you know, uh, we hired an expensive band to come out and we're throwing this big event and we put thousands of dollars into it. Will people show? You don't know. And you wait and you see what happens. And I guess one of the big things that helps me overcome that is when I reflect back on all the times that I was anxious, I was nervous, I was worried about failure, and I see all the successes that we did actually have. So you know what? Sometimes we're going to have a bad weekend. Sometimes people aren't going to come out. Sometimes sales are going to be down. But I look back on all those other times where I thought the same thing and sales weren't down. People did come out to the winery. Events were a big success. And so I just reflect on all of those other successes to help me overcome that period of doubt and uncertainty. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I think so many people, they just stop like whenever one thing goes wrong and they're like, oh man, I can't do this anymore. But if you just reflect on all your successes and you can do anything. Basically. Failure is inevitable. And I feel yeah. badly for people who take that one moment where they fail and they give up completely. And I think, don't give up. And I teach that lesson to my son all the time. I say, it's going to happen. And you need to learn from those experiences. Say, you know what? This is a natural part of life. It's time to keep moving on. I made a mistake here. How can I not make the mistake again in the future and improve yeah. as a result of it? For sure. So um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt if you could start over? Oh man, if I could start over, see, um, not see the thing is knowing what I know now, there's definitely areas that we're looking at expanding into such as the distilling, 
Uh, you know, so that is something that we're kind of venturing into. I don't know if I would begin with that. <clears throat> the brewery scene has been overdone. Microbreweries, are, there's so many of them. Uh, there are a dime a dozen. It's just not something I'm interested in getting into. But I am one of those people that believes that you can learn to love a lot of the things that you do. I mean, I'm not going, I'm not saying that you will, that anybody can learn to love anything. I think that as you continue to invest your time and energy into something, you learn to love it even more. And so I am one of those people that's willing to jump into almost anything understanding that I can learn to love some of those things. Yeah. Uh, I thought about, you know, the, op the idea of owning a hardware store and providing, um, you know, that service to the community. I, you know, worked in a hardware store for about six years. I saw how successful the local one was. Uh, so that was always something that we thought about getting into. We know uh, where we look to see where the money is at, because to be honest with you, businesses uh, open to generate income. You know, that's the goal of a business is to make money. Yeah. So we look at anything that is going to generate revenue. Where are people successful um, and, and how much money are they able to bring in? And we want to make sure that whatever it is that we do is something that is going to generate enough revenue to make it worthwhile. Yeah, for sure. I think that's relevant today because if you look like all the college students, some of them, like they don't even know what they want to do and they're undecided when they go to college. But like like you said, you just have to pick one and then you can learn to love it. You can, but as long, like I said before, is whatever it is that you're picking, know that, all right, is this going to be a money maker? Because the, the end goal is to make money doing it. I'm not in the charities yeah. business. I'm not in the nonprofit business. I have nothing against that, but I'm starting these businesses to make money yeah. you know, so that I can provide a better life for myself and my family and, and save up for college, et cetera. So I want to make sure that whatever venture we take has to be something that's going to make money. Not just because I like it and I think it's cool and interesting because that's pointless if you're not making money as a result of it. And many times I have uh, friends who are like, well, I want to start business X or business Y. And I was like, well, I see like 30 of those around, you know, and the owners of them, I, you know, I, I see, you know, what kind of, you know, how the establishment is set up. I see what it looks like. I'm not entirely sure that the revenue is there when you're making maybe 1% profit, you know, like in the restaurant industry or the, or the beverage industry where you have so much overhead and expenses and you're only making 1% profit uh, in any given year. I said, you have to generate so much uh, that it's just not really worth it. Yeah, for sure. And so for all, all of our young listeners out there, um, what is one thing that young people should start doing today to become successful? Experiment. Experiment. I think, I think and my son does this, uh, experiment with various business uh, opportunities. You know, kind of be a, a, a young entrepreneur. My son, he uh, recently started making pots, kiln drying them, painting them, putting in plants, and is selling them. Might be a failure, but that doesn't matter. What he's doing is he's at least trying. He's seeing what works and what doesn't work, and he's learn. He's going to eventually learn from these failures. He's done some other things, and uh, he's failed at it, but I think this is one of those things that he can learn from. Um, whether or not it's successful, I don't know, but at least he's trying. So just experiment. you got to experiment. See what works and what doesn't. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our audience out there before you – I think one of the other things that uh, audience members need to know is that you know starting a business can be scary. Okay, it can be very intimidating. 
but I think audience members, what they need to, what they need to know is that the failures are inevitable. Okay. But what you need to do is have, uh, be optimistic about your goals, set those goals and work diligently to achieve those goals. All right, there you have it, guys. Andrew Hemsarth, owner of CEO, owner and CEO of Purple Cow Winery. So thank you, Mr. Hemsarth, for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Mr. Holdren. I appreciate it. All right, see you guys.